Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. It's only November, but here in Grand Center, tis the season for holiday-themed theater. A new production of It's a Wonderful Life kicks off this weekend. Our producer, Evie Hemphill, traveled a few blocks over to the Grandel Theater to get the scoop on its unique framing device. Let's listen. It's rehearsal day at the Grandel Theater in Grand Center as the Metro Theater Company prepares to premiere its adaptation of It's a Wonderful Life. And as character Chester Collins goes on to say, this is no ordinary play. Thumbs up if you ever listen to the radio. Thumbs up if you've ever been to a live play. How about a live radio play? Interesting. <laughs> well, you are in for a treat. Actors will perform live right here in front of you. You can hear them and they can hear you. And all these fun instruments over here will be used to make sound effects by our wonderful Foley artist, Floyd Rogers. <laughs> Say hi, Floyd. Hi. Floyd's a real chatterbox. <laughs> and then there's a plot complication. The premise of this radio play within a play is that the actors for this fictional 1940s radio station broadcast have failed to show up. Oh dear! Oh, cool down, Minnie. It's gonna be fine. We're on in five people! I wouldn't be so sure. KMTC Radio St. Louis, Minnie Hoople speaking. How may I direct your call? What's got her in a tizzy? Excuse us for one moment. The actors are back from dinner. What? We're on in five. The audience is here already. I know that, June. I came here on time. The station manager isn't back either. Look, people look forward to this, this show all year. We're going on air, even if it's just you, me, and Floyd. Uh, thank you all so much for your patience. We're experiencing some technical difficulty, but our broadcast will begin in just Five minutes. And sure enough, it does, with the staff of the radio station pulling together to make things happen on the fly and filling in as actors themselves. Soon, the live radio audience and listeners around the St. Louis region of yesteryear are hearing George Bailey and the story of Bedford Falls. That classic story is one that Metro Theater Company's artistic director, Julia Flood, thinks has just as much to offer audiences today as it did in the 1940s. I've always loved this story, and um, for me, it's about community and about coming together and about realizing that one voice can make a huge impact in a community, and the young people that we serve uh, really, I think, need to hear that. They need to hear that their voice matters and that what they contribute is important, and without them, St. Louis wouldn't be the vibrant, wonderful place that it is. She adds that like with so many of Metro Theater's productions, this is a show that will appeal to all ages and many different generations. Any work for young people that's good 
should be equally enjoyed by all people. I, I think it's really important. I don't want to put anything on stage that I wouldn't be delighted to see. So um, that's part of the fun too, is having families come together and enjoy it together. And then they leave and can have conversations about the experience. And that's for me, what makes live performance so exciting. It's, you're experiencing it in the moment, but then you're also creating a memory that's gonna last a long time. And that was sound gathered by producer Evie Hemphill at the Metro Theatre Company's rehearsal for It's a Wonderful Life, which opens at the Grandel Theatre on Sunday. Joining us today to talk more about this very unique production is its playwright, John Wolbers. John, welcome to the show. Hello. Happy to be here. And we're also joined by Abraham Shaw. He's the actor portraying George Bailey in this production. Abraham, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. And we're joined by Chris E. Ware. He's an actor, and he's this production's sound artist. Chris, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. And for those of you listening at home, do you remember gathering around the radio for news and entertainment? Maybe you still do. Do you see connections between those memories and our contemporary age of radio resurgence and podcasts? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. So, John Wolvers, let's start with you. What made you decide to restage this classic as a radio play of all things? Well, the idea originally came from our artistic director, Julia Flood. She was looking for a piece that would uh, be in that holiday time slot, but that would also really honor our mission of honoring the intelligence and emotional wisdom of young people. And It's a Wonderful Life seemed like a, a perfect fit for, for this season. Uh, so we thought, well, we could do it traditionally, but one of the wonderful things about that movie is because it does appeal to such a large audience, young, old alike. And we thought, in this age of podcasts and what cooler way to connect young and old than through that time period of gathering around the radio together. And it seems like this particular conceit, it almost helps you with the adaptation because it's so hard to turn a Hollywood movie into a play when you just have this one set or, you know, you have to move mm -hmm. things in and out. With the radio, does that kind of give you an excuse to have things a little bit more, um, I don't even know how to say it, just a little more ad hoc? <laughs> it does. It does. It adds a little bit more fun. The original classic is, is so timeless and heartwarming, but it does actually have some, some darker, sadder moments, which we do honor and respect in this version, but we did want to lighten it up just a touch and having the, the chaos and just a little bit of the farcical elements that are present in that that's set up in the radio station help. So how important is it to have a sound artist in order to pull off this, this radio idea? Uh, I'm going to say incredibly important. Uh, having that soundscape is is vital, and that was uh, something where Chris actually helped a lot with the writing process of finding out what sound cues 
needed to be present in the script to tell that story, what ones were just fun. And actually, I'm going to turn that over to Chris to, to share a little more. Now, Chris, before you dive into this, um, I couldn't help but notice your title in this show is actually a Foley artist. For yes. those of us who aren't in the theater world, what does that even mean? So uh, a Foley artist would be taxed uh, in radio and film. Uh, with making all the sound effects uh, for that film. Like if you were to watch something on TV and see somebody throw a punch and hear that punch, um, there will be somebody behind the scenes using like a stick to make the sound and maybe like hitting a pillow uh, to get that that percussion sound. yeah, no, it, it all it makes uh, for a 3D environment. And who is Foley? Do you know why they're called Foley artists of all things? I do. There was a gentleman, uh, his first name escapes me, but he was the first one to kind of add this uh, element to uh, uh, radio shows uh, um, a long time ago. I, I can't, so you're all sort of following in his footsteps. Yes, we're all following in his footsteps, trying to um, uh, take what he's done and continue that legacy and create new things along the way. Um, just, you know, just where technology goes and the things that we have, we can go way back to just using different things, like just using our vocals to make sounds, or now we can incorporate different uh, recordings and things into it. But that all goes into creating that 3D soundscape, that 3D world that you're just hearing, but you can see somewhere in your mind. And how did you go about developing your expertise in this this really interesting world that most of us never even think about? So like, I take a, um, I take a lot from having, I play a lot of different instruments. I play six different instruments. Um, oh. And so being able to hear the different sounds different tones is very important um, now when you get to Foley the way that translates over is you're still able to hear those um, those different sounds those different sounds that make a day um, and a lot of the times we go through our day we don't realize how many sounds we actually hear or which sounds are important um, it's one of those things in human survival just being able to hear different things and be able to tell what that is mm-hmm. now uh, playing on that human survival it's like oh well I heard something break <laughs> yeah. And it's a very distinct sound. So when you add that element to the story that we're telling and you're not visually seeing that, um, it makes it so much bigger than what it is. It can just be like simple storytelling and, you know, a person's voice can do a lot, but only so much. Uh, but when you add those extra sounds to it, it creates this really big thing. Give us an example of something in this play where you needed to create a sound and then help us understand how you did it. Oh. Not to put you on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, let me let me see. Um, well, I can I can explain this crash box a bit. Okay. Um, some of the some of the things that we brought in, we brought our, our crash box. Now the crash box, um, we're using it to recreate uh, the sound of windows breaking. Um, and with the box itself, it keeps all of our pieces contained, um, so it keeps everybody safe. Uh, but to create the sound of glass breaking, it's a very, very unique sound. And it wasn't just that we, oh, we need glass breaking. Let's get a crash box. Uh, we went through so many different uh, things before we decided that we were going to use the crash box. We used washers. Uh, we had chimes. Um, and then we landed on the crash box because it ended up working better for us. So oh, going okay. through that process. Um, like, uh, And then you still have to like put that on a speaker somewhere. Uh, because you have to see what it's going to sound like coming through the air, not just uh, in the space in the room that you're in. Um, so, so there's a real science to this in terms of the experimentation yes. and then finding that final effect. Yes, yes, it's it's, it's definitely a, a process that you have to go through, and you 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 have to be willing to listen a lot more. Um, 
And it sounds like some patience. Like you can't just be like, yeah, that kind of sounds like a window breaking. Let's go with it. You're, it seems like you're really looking at the details of, is that sound just right? Right, right, right. You want to you wanna look at those details so you get as close as possible to it. Uh, but then you have the suspension of disbelief uh, where it's like, okay, well, this is the sound that we're going to use for that window. Every time you hear that sound, it's going to be the window or there's going to be a door. Um, and you kind of trust the audience to roll with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, Abraham, you've got the starring role in this. You're George Bailey. But to some extent, it seems like George Bailey almost plays supporting actor to some of these gimmicks. I mean, you've got your sound guy. You've got the whole radio play. How do you bring emotional heart to a production that has a lot going on? So I treat it the same as if I'm on stage uh, doing a play that's not a radio play. I... Uh, have the intention, what I'm talking about, knowing what I'm talking about. Um, it's a lot of envisioning, imagining in my head like, what's happening, but it's still an ensemble process. We still uh, work off of each other. There's still team working, working with the Foley artist and um, the timing of reaction to something that's happened. Uh, so I treat it the same. Is it hard with a part like this where everybody's doing these terrible Jimmy Stewart impressions of his famous lines in the movie? Are you doing a little bit of Jimmy Stewart here or you're taking this in a different direction? So I never had the pleasure of actually watching the film of It's Wonderful Life. You've never seen the film? No. Even now that you're about to go on starring in it, you still haven't seen it? I figured I would rather bring myself Mm -hmm. and... uh, I listened to uh, radio play versions of It's a Wonderful Life, uh, but for like such as research and mm-hmm. such as that. But I didn't want to uh, try and mimic him. I think that's a wise uh, choice, honestly. My, yeah, my authentic self to it. And um, But my mom grew up with it, and she definitely uh, told me about her experiences growing up watching it. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to bring myself to it. So. Yeah. That makes sense. And as I said, there's so many bad Jimmy Stewart impressions. I think as the playwright, you'd have to fight back on him wanting to go that route had he chosen that. <laughs> yeah, that was actually very intentional on our part. <laughs> right. As we were adapting and writing, like so many of the the initial resources like the uh, Lux radio broadcast that actually featured Jimmy Stewart was written with the trademark Jimmy Stewart stutter into the script. And we're like, we need to... We make this sound more unique, more more George Bailey and less Jimmy Stewart, as as yeah. wonderful as his performance was. So you guys have us very curious how this all plays out. And we thought, since you're here at a radio studio, how better to give our listeners a small idea of how this all goes than to do a radio play on the radio? Abraham, can you just quickly set the stage for us? What scene are you guys going to do here today? Sure. So it's George and Mary. We're uh, walking down the street. And we just left uh, this party, and I think I know this scene. Yeah. That's a famous scene. Yep. <laughs> um, well, let's from let let's stop talking. Let's just have you guys take it away. Meet me in St. Louis, Louis. Meet me at the fair. Don't tell me the lights are shining any place but there. We will dance the hoochie-coochie. I will be your tootsie-rootsie. If you will meet me in St. Louis-Louis, meet me at the fair. Gee whiz, what a beautiful night. You know something? If it wasn't me talking... I'd say you were the prettiest girl in town. Why don't you say it? Maybe I will. 
Hey, look where we are. The old Granville house. I gotta throw a rock. George, no, I love that old house. Don't you know about deserted houses? You make a wish, then throw a rock. But it's such a lovely old place. I wish I lived there. There? I wouldn't live there if I was a ghost. Watch this. What'd you wish for? Oh, I don't know. Not just one wish. A whole hat full of them. Mary, I'm shaking off the dust of this crummy little town. I'm gonna go to college, see what they know. Then I'm gonna build things. Airfields, skyscrapers, bridges a mile long. And then I'm gonna go see the world. Italy, Paris, the pyramids. Sounds wonderful. My turn. <laughs> what did you wish for, Mary? If I tell you, it won't come true. Oh, just look at that moon. You want the moon? Well, just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. <laughs> that was wonderful, guys. So that was the Metro Theatre Company. Um, it's a Wonderful Life, which is opening at the Grand Dell Theatre this Sunday. That was Abraham Shaw playing George Bailey. We also had Chris E. Ware. You heard the crash box in there of that sound breaking. Um, and we're also joined by an additional performer today, and that's Alicia Reve-like. She plays Mary in that scene. Alicia, I feel like from watching the movie, Mary can be sort of a hard person for modern women to relate to. She just doesn't seem to have that much agency. She's just they're standing by your man. Was it hard to get into this role? No, because I actually view her as that hardcore support. She is strong. And that's something with women that we, we do a lot is we ride under the radar being the superhero of the day. And she steps in. She's ready. I think if George was willing, more willing and open to her assisting, then she would have stepped in a whole lot earlier to help solve the problems because she wanted to but he didn't but want he's that. like i got this i am the husband i can do this and things were just you know it was just sand slipping through his fingers and she was ready to catch it now john you referred earlier to the fact that it's a wonderful life while we think of it as this feel-good tale it gets pretty dark um how do you deal with that when it comes to these the young audience that metro theater company likes to work with we're talking about suicide here within this play uh how, how did you deal with that that was very intentional, actually. We, uh, Julia Flood, our artistic director, and myself, um, and sat down with a lot of, and just went kind of point by point with all of the more mature issues that are in that film, from drinking to domestic abuse to suicide. And there were some things that we decided were really too mature for a younger audience, and especially since we were limited to a more 50-minute time frame, it was easy to cut some things for time and maturity, but with the issue of suicide, we realized that's something that young people deal with on a regular basis. Um, we all have those darker thoughts, and a lot of young people know people who have taken their own lives. It's a very serious issue and a very serious problem. So we wanted to honor that, um, and especially since it is such an important plot point in that story, and really it leads to the hope that a community can come together to help an individual just as much as an individual can step up and help their community. So we don't go too deeply into the topic, but we also weren't going to shy away from it either. Alicia, what do you hope that audiences come away from this play um, thinking about, or, or how do you hope this will change their thinking? Um, my hope is that when people leave our production, is that they're ready 
and willing to embrace the concept of community. A lot of times we feel like we have to do so much by ourselves, um, but that's the joy of It's a Wonderful Life is that the true power really is in working together and realizing that as a group we can get so much more done um, when we really um, dive into the concept and belief that community is real and, and we do need it. Now, without spoiling the plot, I understand there's also some St. Louis references that are <laughs> embedded throughout this script. Can you guys give us a, some some of the highlights? Well, you heard one of them, actually. <laughs> Was that uh, by chance the Ted Drews <laughs> reference? <laughs> yeah, the Ted Drews reference. And then Meet Me in St. Louis, which was written for the World's Fair. It was in the public domain, and it's such a, a wonderful song that we all know and love. And since music is such an important part in that story, we thought that would be a perfect choice to infuse in there as well. Um, there's also another moment where we use the telephone, we dial phone numbers worked a little bit different back then. They had street names and district oh. names. And so we really decided to honor, like, what's the most famous place in St. Louis that everybody knows, and that's Forest Park. So there's a couple other St. Louis references that we really wanted to make people feel at home. So it doesn't change the plot, but it does sort of orient it here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, yeah. I understand part of this production, in addition to this 50-minute long play, um, each production has a short talk back with company members following the show. What is that? Uh, tell me how that works. So we do it the same way for our student matinees that we do for the public performance. It offers the audience an opportunity to process what they've seen with us, as well um, as offering an opportunity specifically for students to ask questions about what they've seen on stage, what rehearsal may be like, what it's like to be an actor. Um, and then also for our public performances where there are children being brought, we hope that <laughs> this isn't just for, um, you know, your, your school situation, but families can bring their children and process this together. And it's fantastic. We love answering the questions that the audience asks. And so kids, actually, they're raising their hands. They're coming with questions. Absolutely. Fostering community dialogue is part of what we do on a daily basis. And so if, if anything, we almost always run out of time because <laughs> oh, the kids really? have so oh, many yeah. questions. Uh, and then we also always include in the playbill or in educator guides a list of questions for the ride home so that if we don't have time after the show to share that with each other, then families can share that with each other at home, on the ride, uh, and really find a way to continue that story after the performance. So for a family that might be thinking about taking their kid to this show, what's sort of the age recommendation on this? Do you have to have a kid who's ready to sit quietly for that entire 50 minutes for this to be a good experience? You should be honest about that. Parents <laughs> want to know. <laughs> Absolutely. We recommend ages eight and up, okay. uh, but it is 50 minutes. And obviously, if you have a little one that's really eager and you want to share that story with them, uh, we do have the ability to, to leave the theater or come back if you need. And we also have a sensory-friendly performance as well. Oh, okay. Um, so this is all opening Sunday. How long is this play going to run? Uh, it's going to run Oops, from... Got to check your notes. <laughs> December 15th is the closing mm -hmm. day. Oh, yep. okay. So there'll be lots of opportunities for yes. people to see this. Well, that's great. Well, playwright John Wolbers, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. And Abraham Shaw, Chris E. Ware, and Alicia Reve-like, uh, thank you as well for joining and for performing for us today. No problem. And you can catch their version of It's a Wonderful Life. It kicks off this Sunday. It runs all the way uh, through mid-December. And you can get more information about that on the website for the Metro Theater Company. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.